Welcome to Sermons by Brad Tuttle. We are so glad you decided to join us today. We know you're going to be encouraged, inspired, and challenged by this powerful sermon. week we talked about I am a child of God. Today we're going to talk about the title of our sermon is I am not condemned. I am not condemned. And we're going to look at Romans 8.1. This really ministered to me this week as I prepared this. I am not condemned. I think somebody might get some freedom in here today. I am not condemned. Turn to Romans 8.1. Most of you could quote it. It's a, it is a powerful verse that begins Romans chapter 8 after the first seven chapters. And it's going to start off with the word therefore. So get there and we will read that together. Romans 8.1. And remember, when there's a therefore, it's there for a reason. And it's going to reflect back on something going to reflect back on something that was just taught a truth and it's going to bring a result it's going to bring a consequence a conclusion to something that was just talked about and that's why it's there therefore and this word therefore it's uh it's like the believer's emancipation proclamation he's going to talk about justification by faith alone and christ alone in the first seven chapters and then he's going to say therefore So what's he say in Romans 8.1? Talks about being justified by faith. Deals with all that in chapter 1 through 7. And in verse 8, he starts it off this way. Because we are justified by faith alone and Christ alone, he says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How many in this room are in Christ Jesus? There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Freedom from condemnation is given to everyone who's in Christ. And we wonder, why wouldn't somebody want Jesus? That's how blind people can be and how well the devil can use his abilities to blind people from the truth. Man, we have no condemnation hanging over our head anymore. Somebody out here ought to shout hallelujah. We have no more condemnation hanging out over our head anymore. So that's the resulting conclusion from the first seven chapters. Justified by faith alone, made possible by God's grace, we are now, now, uh, therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So by nature, we were children of wrath. But now God has rendered us accepted. Somebody say, I'm accepted. So being now in Christ, we're no longer under the curse of the law. Somebody say, amen. Amen. Because he bore that for us. So when is now? When does now happen? Therefore, now there is no condemnation. When is now? Now is the moment you came to Christ. The moment you believed was your now. Therefore, now, right now, you're sitting in no condemnation when you were an Adam you were condemned no matter how good you thought you were now that you're in Christ there will never be condemnation again there are people that do a lot of good deeds they're doing good things they're good things 
but they're condemned. They're condemned to death. They're condemned to eternal separation from the Father, but those who are in Christ are never condemned and never will be condemned. Somebody say amen. That's a powerful truth. That's the gospel, and that's the good news. We were once condemned. We are now not condemned. Amen. Amen. The just penalty for our sins was paid for by Christ. And we were justly penalized. Someone says, well, that's not fair that I had to be born into sin, separated from God. Well, that's just the way it is. Does everyone believe that? That's why we got to tell people the gospel, because people are condemned. They're condemned right now. They are under the wrath of God. And it's a just penalty, but Jesus paid the price. Jesus paid the penalty. He paid the cost. So all of us who are in Christ, we are beneficiaries of that forgiveness. And it follows, and somebody here this today, and I wrote it this way, if condemnation as if condemnation as an objective reality has been removed, then there is no legitimate place for condemnation as a subjective experience. In other words, if you feel condemned, it's not legitimate. You are free from condemnation. You are not supposed to feel, hear me, guilt. There's a difference between the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart saying, hey, that wasn't right. He came to convict the world of sin. Us as believers, we get that nudging that what we did wasn't right because when you come to Christ and the Spirit comes to live in you, you now are going to have a reason and and a desire to live right. Amen? We are not under the wrath of God. We have no condemnation against us anymore. We're not condemned. So if you feel condemned, it's not legitimate. I've talked to a lot of people before. They just, they, they, confess their sins, they still feel guilty. 1 John 1.9 says, if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of those sins. That guilt, there, there is no reason to feel guilty. And can I say this? Those of us who have a just justice side to us, uh, some people are very mercy-oriented, some people are more justice. I want justice. I want them to pay a cost. They're not living right. I want them to pay for it. That's, that's not right. Amen. They have been released from their condemnation. If they are born again, this is so, and I know somebody in here is relating with me on this. This is difficult sometimes because of how we see people live their lives. If they are truly born again, they are born again. They are not under condemnation. They are a child of God. Somewhere in there, there is an initiation, instigation to now live right. But I have to remove myself as being judge. Because I can't judge anybody. I can't judge them on how they live. I can, you know, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be you know, real with you. I get frustrated at times. Um, but I, it's, that's not for me to even be frustrated with it. I need to pray for them. And if I don't believe they're born again, or maybe I can go ahead and give them the gospel, but I'm not judge. And I have been guilty of this before. Um, and it's, this, is, this was good for me. Amen? Um, so for those of you that are in here, even and hear this, even when you sin, we're going to talk about this in a minute, guilt should not be 
your feeling, that condemning feeling of guilt. You've been delivered from condemnation. You are involved in a love affair with the Father that is so deep that He looks at you in a way that you can't even imagine how He looks at you today. So if it's been removed and you still feel it, that's not a legitimate feeling. You're trying to work out something in your own salvation. Uh, It's already been dealt with. Amen? And we're going to go into something here in a minute that is really important. Um, So it says, therefore, uh, there is now no. It's the Greek word, udes. It literally means, but absolutely not one. So not one believer, not one believer will ever be condemned to hell. You have been delivered. You have been set free. You were on your way to hell. People don't want to hear it, but according to the word of God, we're separated from God the Father. And to make it even more clear, it's not just separation, but it's going to a place the Bible refers to as hell. And that was our destination. But the moment we believed in Christ, that's why it's so important to give people a clear gospel. You've got to let them know that there is a wrath side to this. There is a bad side to this. That's why that's the frustration I have when you go into churches and they just talk about the blessings of God. And that's great. We all want to be blessed. But there is a seriousness to lostness. And we need to make sure that we are giving people the true gospel. And don't ever be afraid to tell people about the bad news. Because without the bad news, the good news is not as good as it can be. There's some bad news in there, but Jesus did something about it. And once you come to Christ, that condemnation is taken from us. It should prompt a little short worship service in us every time we read this verse. Therefore, there is now, right now, no condemnation to those you were guilty in Adam, condemned to eternal separation from the Father, but Jesus intervened and did something we're going to talk about the next time I minister. He redeemed you. You've been redeemed. Purchased your freedom. What a Savior. What a Savior. There is therefore now no condemnation. You might translate it this way. There is no condemnation, none whatsoever for the believer in Christ Jesus. And here's what that means. We may stumble, we may fall, we may trip, we may may make a thousand mistakes, we may sin, and we do. We may get off the path, we may go astray, we may have a thousand problems, but for the believer in Christ Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. No matter how many times as a believer you stumble, there is no condemnation. You can struggle, but you're not condemned. You can fall, but you're not condemned. You can trip, but you're not condemned. You can stray off the path, but you're not condemned because God said, He would not condemn those who are in Christ Jesus. The moment you became a true believer in Christ, and I'm talking about a true believer. It's not just a raising of the hand. It's not just a signing of a card. It's not just a praying of a prayer, but someone who has truly come to faith in Christ, truly believed in their heart right then. That condemnation was ripped from them. The wrath of God was no longer against them. So let me say hallelujah. And sometimes we sit in church and it gets so many. We talked about this last week. Don't ever let this be ho-hum. Don't ever let this be ho-hum. You were under condemnation. You were on your way to hell. Does anybody feel free today? Doesn't matter if there's five people in here. Feel free. Let's feel free. Amen. 
When Jesus saved you, he didn't say he was going to take away all your problems. But he did say this, in your problems, there is no condemnation. In your struggles, there's no condemnation. In your failures, there's no condemnation. Somebody say hallelujah to that. In your going astray, there is no condemnation. How can that person, I don't know, man, if they're really a believer and they're going astray, I'm not God, I can't judge them. All I know is the Bible tells me there's no condemnation on them. They're a child of God. There's no rejection for the believer. Once you've been saved, listen to the beauty of this. My personal theological position is you can't lose this. And once you have it, once you've been saved, you can't be rejected. You're not going to a judgment of wrath. That's not your judgment. Number one, there is no rejection for a believer. God's not going to reject you when you struggle. God's not going to reject you when you mess up. You're not a bad person because you're going through a hard time. You're not a bad person because you're going through a hard time. We are free. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. That's a tongue twister. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Condemnation is the word katakrima. The idea is literally of judgment coming down on someone. There is no judgment coming down on you. Paul says God's judgment is not going to come down on you now, nor is it ever going to come down on you. We're going to talk about it in a minute. Somebody in here is going, but I thought it says the believers go to a judgment. They do, but it's not a judgment of condemnation. It's not a judgment of wrath. It's not a judgment of being sent away to eternity separated from God the Father. It's a judgment where you're going to be rewarded for the things you've done while you've been on this earth. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Um, we lived under the feet of the law in Romans 7. Paul now stands on the mountaintop and shouts, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. I am free today. I, I, am, I have been justified by faith um, because Christ was condemned in my place. I want to talk about Memorial Day. You've got to remember the fact that Jesus took your place. Remember, don't ever let this be ho-hum. This should be the most exciting thing we've ever heard and ever have done in our lives to live for the one that took our place on the cross. And if you ever want to, if you ever want to try to get your motor running, just remember capital S, he was your substitute. You deserve to be there. You deserve to be on the cross. He took your place, set you free, took away the wrath of God, took away. My goodness, we realize how much God loves. Can you imagine God's wrath? That's gone from you. Yeah. That's gone from you. So I know things get tough in life, but should anything ever really take us all the way under when we realize we've been delivered from all this and liberated from this bondage? Those who are in Christ are not condemned because Jesus was condemned in our place. So listen to this truth. And I know you've, mod- you've probably heard this before, but this is very true. And I, I, I bring this to you, um, I believe, very solidly. No sin a believer can commit, past, present, or future, can be held against him or her. Since the penalty was paid by Christ and righteousness was imputed to the believer. Past, present, or future. Once you come to Christ, your sins were dealt with. Amen? Someone says, well, I sin now. He sins now. 
I watched them sin yesterday. Once you come to Christ, your sin problem has been dealt with. When you go to your judgment, it will not be based on your sin. You will not be judged by your sin because your sin has been taken care of. Is everybody with me today? Now, that does not give us the right or the freedom to now do anything we want to do or take out sections of the Bible that talk about confession. That means we have been forgiven, and that's the depth of what Christ did on the cross. Past, present, future doesn't mean because your sin's future have been forgiven that I might as well go ahead and sin. Obviously, that's not right, and Paul talks about that. Because if you're really born again, there's going to be a drive in you to live obedient to the commands of the Word of God. Now, people get astray, but they're still not under condemnation. And the Holy Spirit's still going to bring them back. If they die in that, you know what's amazing? If they die in that, if they die in that astrayed position, are they going to lose it? No. That's the beauty of being in Christ. But I know y'all are mature enough to realize and not take what I'm preaching here today to tell you that you can start doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing according to the word of God or that that inner spirit tells you, you know what, that's not appropriate. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And this position that we're in, it's, it's like a, uh, this, no sin will ever reverse the fact that Jesus took care of your sins past, now, and future. So again, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And remember, when I started my salvation experience, I was in a Pentecostal church, and I was in a Pentecostal church that believed that you lost your salvation, and every time you sinned, you had to run to the altar and get saved again. And every altar call was great for altar call time because it was always filled with people because Christians are always sinning. And so because they sinned, they were lost, going to hell, come and get saved, and people got saved every Sunday, the same people. And I'm new in this thinking, I don't know. I don't feel that. I didn't feel that way. I, I knew I wasn't perfect, but man, I got saved. So I'm thinking, I don't need to go through that again. That was so dramatic. Why would I have to, I, you know, there's no way I could feel that, that again. So I felt, I don't understand that. Then I started learning and realized that it's not anathema to believe that you don't lose your salvation. Amen. Why would God why why would that be that way? If I Jesus went to that depth, how could I now have to always be going through that again? We are saved, and once you're saved, you're saved. And if you're saved, you're gonna to want to be saved, you're gonna to to live like you're saved. Somebody say amen. So first John one nine, it indicates that somehow our forgiveness is dependent on our confessing our sins to God. So someone says, If I've been forgiven past, present, future, why does first John one nine say I have to confess sins? Why is there still some kind of confession there? And I know some teachings go to the point of sins forgiven, past, present, future. They get rid of 1 John. They don't want anyone to read 1 John because it talks about confession of sins. But there is a confession that needs to be done. Why? Because it looks like the author is talking about some kind of a relational forgiveness. Positionally, we are already forgiven. 
Once you come to Christ as a believer, past, present, future, you are positionally now a forgiven saint of God. Somebody say amen. You're forgiven, but there's something that happens to our relationship side with the Father. So our positional forgiveness guarantees our salvation and promise of our eternal home in heaven. And when we stand before God after death, God will not deny us entrance, even if you die while you're sinning, into heaven because of our sins, because we have been positionally placed for forgiveness. The concept of this relational forgiveness is based on the fact that when we sin, we offend God and we grieve His Spirit, Ephesians 4.30. When you sin, you're going to know it. Somewhere along the line, you're going to feel a grieving. While God has ultimately forgiven us of the sins that we commit, they still result in a blocking or a hindrance in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Illustration. A young boy who sins against his father or a young girl is not cast out of the family. If you've messed up and you're in your family, your dad doesn't go, oh man, I mean, I would never have had a family. I mean, I wrecked my mom's car, I wrecked my dad's car, I did all kinds of stuff. I'd have been out of the house when I was young. I would have had no family. But that doesn't happen. A father does not cast that family member out. A godly father will forgive his children, hear me, unconditionally. It's not based on how they act after that. It's not based on how good of a person or kid they are after that. It is unconditional forgiveness. That's what the father does. At the same time, a good relationship between father and son or daughter cannot be achieved until the relationship is restored. This can only occur when a child, hear me kids, confesses his mistakes to his father and apologizes. So to get it all right, when the kid messes up, dad's not going to say, get out of here. You're not loved anymore. He still loves the child as much as ever. But it really, to get this back together, the child comes to the father and says, I made a mistake. I confess my sins before you. Forgive me for that. So we need to keep the relationship with the father. Is this ministering to anybody today? This is why we confess our sins to God, to maintain that relationship, um, not to maintain our salvation. That's so powerful. I, I don't confess my sins to God to maintain my salvation. You ever say something that kind of strikes you? We don't confess our sins. That just struck me. We don't confess our sins to maintain our salvation. I'm already saved. I'm already born again. We're not talking about greasy grace here. We're talking about what the Bible talks about. I don't confess my sins to be saved again. I don't confess my sins to maintain my salvation. I'm already saved, but I confess my sins to bring myself back into close relationship with my Heavenly Father. You will probably mess up today. Or tomorrow. Or sometime this week, you're going to do something that um, ain't great. You're going to say something you're going to act like something. You're going to react somehow. You're going to think something. You're going to act on something that's going to grieve the Spirit. That just affects your relationship, your side, 
You got to get that right with the Father to make sure that relationship. Y'all understand that, right? Because when you're not living as you should, do y'all feel kind of out of whack? You can't witness. You don't want to pray. You don't want to read the word because there's something out of whack. It's not that you lost your salvation. It's that you're out of relationship with the Father, not on his side. He still loves the amazing thing. He still loves you as much as he ever loved you. He doesn't look at you and go, oh, man, there's going to be consequences for stuff. Because he's a loving father. He disciplines his children. If he didn't discipline you, he wouldn't love you. So he disciplines us as a loving father, but he doesn't stop loving us. He loves us as much as he ever did. It's just us needing to come to him and say, Father, I confess. And confession means in agreement with. In other words, I'm agreeing with my heavenly father that what I did was a sin. And if you really want to try to help yourself get over something, don't just say, Father, forgive me for my sins, or Father, I confess my sins. Call your sin out. You want to really bring it boldly to your face? You want to really bring it to yourself? Confess your sin to the Father and say, Father, I confess that my lying is a sin before you. I confess it. I agree with you. I know that we're in agreement. My, I lied, and I confess that before you. I, whatever. And when you start naming your sins that you know you did, that truth starts hitting you in the face and it starts, I, I don't know, it, it's probably going to bother you a little bit. So we don't confess our sins to maintain our salvations, but to bring us back into close relationship with the God who loves us and has already forgiven us. No condemnation means freedom, not only from sin's guilt, but also from sin's enslaving power. So we've not only been forgiven from the guilt of that sin, but from that sin's power over our lives. None of us in this room ever have to sin. We have the power to never sin. But we give in to our flesh and we do it. You ever been really tired? Watch out for that. That's a great time to sin. When you get tired and you get aggravated and you get, <laughs> you get irritable, you know, we, we do stuff we shouldn't do. And we say things to people we shouldn't say. And really to people that we're really supposed to love, we say things. Imagine how it is with the Father. Amen. So let's observe carefully that Paul does not base his assertion of no condemnation to the saying upon our conduct, but upon our position. I have no condemnation because I have been positioned before the Father in a place of righteousness. Wow, that is so that is so amazing to me that I was once in darkness, I get born again. He causes me, and that's not even my thing. He does it to me. He causes me. It's not believe and be born again. It's be born again and believe. He causes us to be born again. Then we believe. You talk about a deep truth there. It's not me because if I believe that, I could take that on as my decision. He's the one that stirred my heart. He's the one that regenerated my heart to faith. When I did not have faith, I now have faith. And now I believe because he made me born again. I'm surprised somebody isn't jumping up and doing something because that is powerful. And then... From there, he, like, he just takes us and says, okay, now I need to move you over from that junk and stand here. Come here, stand right here. This is a position of righteousness before your father. You are now justified. And the huge gavel, bam, is slammed in the courtroom of heaven and all across the heavens. Brad Tuttle, 
has been declared not guilty. And all the condemnation, look at it as a dark cloud over your life or something. All of a sudden, that's blown away, and now that's gone. And that heaviness, is no wonder I felt like I did when I got born again. No wonder I felt light and breezy and peaceful. And I, I, imagine what just happened to me. He caused me, when I was walking into my bedroom, he's doing that in me. The Holy Spirit's drawing me. That must have been my place where I needed to go. Draws me into my bedroom, turns me. I remember I drew, walked into my bedroom. He, I turned. My bed was right there. I knelt down on my bed. He's doing this in me. I wasn't going, I think I need to get born again. I'm going to come in here and I'm going to kneel down. It has nothing to do with that. He knelt me down. He opened up my mouth. He regenerated my heart. All of a sudden, I'm born again. And then I go, Jesus, forgive me, because he did that. No wonder I felt released from bondage. I tell you today, y'all, I felt... I truly felt liberation. I truly felt what it feels like to be set out of prison. If someone ever asked me what's it like to get out of prison, I'd say, well, in a physical human sense, I don't know. But in a spiritual sense, I do know because I know what I felt like the moment I became born again. The shackles were taken off my hands. I was liberated from my bondage. I was set free. And God pushed me and stood me in position before God the Father. And he took my old, tattered, dirty robe off my old, tattered, filthy clothes. And he said, I got something that fits, going to fit you just right. Amen. And he put on a robe of righteousness. And now I stand before the Father like that. Even if I falter, even if I go astray, he doesn't rip off my robe. That is powerful. That is, that's, that is powerful. So positionally, we're in Christ. We are standing right. Um, it sets me free from my flesh. It sets me free from my old man. Anybody ever have that old man knock on your door from time to time? <laughs> Try to get you to act like you used to? Do what you used to? That's why people wonder, why don't you... And I'm talking about me. If anybody's listening to this online, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. That's why I don't drink. Oh, because I, to me, that's what he took me from and he brought me into something new. So I'm not going to go back to the things to me that represent the old man. That represent who I used to be. That I do things that I used to do. Freely cussing and this and that. I don't go back to that place because I've been made new. Talking about me. My position does not get changed. But my goodness, why do I want to do anything like that that's going to grieve the Spirit and affect my relationship with the Father? Because I've been given a reason to not do that. I've been given the Spirit who I hope knocks on the door of my heart and says, hey, hey man, what, what are you doing? And it's not just because I want to look right in front of people or because I do this in the ministry or that. It's because of who I am now and what this all means to me. So now that we have this new inner condition in our lives, it produces in us a motive or a life which has for its motive obedience to his commandments. which makes us now not want to, although we still will mess up. But we still are not condemned. 
Matthew Henry, if you don't believe me, you can listen to a real smart guy. Matthew Henry says, it is the unspeakable privilege and comfort of all those that are in Christ Jesus that there is therefore now no condemnation to them. He does not say there is no accusation against them, for there is this. But the accusation is thrown out and the indictment quashed. He does not say there is nothing in them that deserves condemnation, for, there, for this there is, and they see it and own it and mourn over it and condemn themselves for it, but it shall not be their ruin. He does not say there is no cross, no affliction to them, or no displeasure in the affliction, for this there may be, but no condemnation. They may be chastened of the Lord, but not condemned with the world. And I'm going to jump on something that he said. God doesn't condemn us. You condemn yourself. We mess up, and you take that, and you begin to condemn yourself. God's not doing it. Don't do that to yourself. Just go to the Father, confess your sins, and get that right. Amen? But it doesn't, again, you're not doing it to keep your salvation. How many of you like to have heard this when you're a little bit younger in your walk with Christ? What about Paul saying that every believer must appear before the judgment seat of Christ? Are we going to be judged? Um, there is no condemnatory judgment for the believer. Uh, this appointment of ours to be standing at the judgment seat of Christ will not be for condemnation. It's going to be for rewards, 2 Corinthians 5.10, when each man's praise will come to him from God, 1 Corinthians 4.5. Can you imagine? Can you imagine thinking of who you used to be? That one day, whether it's because Jesus comes back and takes you or you are risen out of your, or, or you, know, you died before he came back and you're already there, but when the judgment seat of Christ happens in your life and you stand before Jesus, that it's not about being condemned, but you're going to be rewarded and given praise. <laughs> so we will never stand before God as a judge to be condemned or punished for our sins. Golly, that is, I wish I would have heard that when I first started. Um, this condemnation has once and for all fallen fully and finally upon Christ. Our substitute. Uh, how many Christians are filled with guilt because of trying to live up to some standard, either self-imposed, anybody? Or someone placed that on you. We don't have to walk in that guilt. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So it's found in our union with Christ. Listen, our war with sin is never going to be over until we go to glory. Um, nevertheless, there is still no condemnation um, because the penalty for all of our failures in life, and we all mess up, um, has been paid for at Calvary. Paid for it on the cross. So he just didn't pay for your sins that you're in now. He did it before and what you're going to do. <laughs> Golly. My brain's about this big and I use about this much of it. 
so you kind of wrap your mind around that. Some of you use more than me, but you know, I have a certain amount I use. And you try to think about that, that he's, that in the, in the, the eternity, oh, he's taken care of all that, declared guilty. All that was taken care of. Wow. Being no condemnation can be used. It's like courtroom language. You've been declared innocent. And it's for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want you to get this understanding that we're not only free from our bondage to sin, but we're free from the inner emotions that we feel when we sin. We're really free from that guilt. Just get it right with the Father. Amen? Don't let yourself be beat down by yourself or your flesh. Because once your flesh gets you to mess up, the enemy's going to jump in there and go, look at what you did. You're a Christian. We're free from the law of sin and death. And we're not under the law's condemnation because Jesus filled up and completed the expectations of the law perfectly. Christians who live in shame and guilt over past failures, hear this, are needlessly condemning themselves when they ought to be forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Leave the past behind. Leave your failures behind. I'm even talking about the failures of yesterday. And start pressing forward. We are forgiven because of what the Bible tells us. We are forgiven in Christ, in position. I don't trust my feelings. I trust the truth of God's word. And as much as some people, if you have a hard time understanding it, please understand that God loves you so much that he brought this to you today. Maybe many of you already knew all these truths. Maybe you haven't heard it in this way, but you've been declared not guilty in the courtroom of heaven, clothed, in the righteousness of Christ, His righteousness was imputed, was put into your account because of what He did for you. You're a child of God. You've been forgiven. You have been justified. You are declared not guilty. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I am not condemned. I am not condemned. I am a child of God. I am not condemned. I am a child of God because he caused me to be born again and then I believed I am a child of God and I am not under condemnation. I am not condemned. Somebody say, I am not condemned. I am not condemned. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for joining us at Sermons by Brad Tuttle. We pray this sermon blessed you, encouraged you, inspired you, and challenged you in your walk with Christ. Thank you for being with us and come back and visit us anytime. God bless you.